0: Yeah. Especially for people who love to talk about freedom. Right? Like, okay. they've never fought for my rights, so I know they're full of crap. <laughs> Today is May 28th, the day before the election in 2023 and welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, naganago mekoche che aki or or dekotsnagotine siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunderwoman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake Tribe in Treaty 11. My name, dekotsnagotine siku, is in Satu Dene. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to the land of the Hare People. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area, Tene Indahay, in Satu Dene, meaning Many Big Dog Town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary, born Blackfoot, Mokinstis as Michelle Elliot, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights, Indigenous Two-Spirit, or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ, they and, and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft through government policy. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my road as I walk it. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run, uh, joined harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies, but still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, denial of healthcare, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue reports to advocate for and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honor the many lives lost for this so-called country named Canada. I hope you see your role um, in the importance of stopping this harm as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never be one month. It is important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating that safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage everyone to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, slavery or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't pronounce your local Indigenous nations names, won't pronounce your pronouns, say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and definitely me. Understanding land acknowledgements and the importance of that is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Winty's book Unreconciled explains this perfectly, as do many other Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but it would be a part of a treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders that have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I learned those proper pronunciation. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Beguni of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley-Tuniki and Bearspaw Chiefs of the Stony Nation, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands, all non-Indigenous or treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge in support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching on YouTube and can afford to give, thank you. For- For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have the YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe, or you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So today, I'm so happy to have my good friend Erica with me. Erica, would you like
1: to introduce yourself in your way? My name is Erica Eiffel. I go by she/her pronouns. I live in what is now called Ottawa, but is traditionally the land of the Algonquin people. Um my basic role, I am a black woman, and I am a black woman from whose parents are from Guyana, South America, whose whose lineage includes African black, um, South American Native Indian, uh, Portuguese, and I'm sure there's some other mixes in there. <laughs> um, I come I come, I was born in this country, but my parents came here um, as immigrants. They had um, attended Canadian schools and immigrated here after political distress in Guyana which is where my parents are from, um, really became untenable. So that is part of my background. I have never, ever introduced myself like this. So thank you, Michelle, for making me dig into my origin story and also my identity and making it whole. Thank you. Mm,
0: I love that. I'm so glad you're here because, you know, I I have been watching your uh, media, what you've been doing. And I just think, you know, having that Black lens has been so important. We have so much in common to talk about when it comes to, you know, colonialism, land displacement, racism, Absolutely. white supremacy. So it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just like, thank God we have more voices we, at the table.
1: <laughs> to me, Yeah, no, to me, Black and Indigenous people are our family. Yeah. To me, where we are... Now, obviously, like whether you want to call it adopted family, community, family, whatever, but, um, we have so much in common, and what I learn in being in community with indigenous women is radical love. That's what indigenous women in b c in Vancouver taught me. Mm-hmm. um, I was there. it was it was it was a difficult time for me and it was the warm welcome of con- of conciliation not reconciliation but conciliation because i feel like we still need to come together yeah and so i love being in community with indigenous people because i feel like you understand the first of all, nobody understands the history of this country like indigenous people. I don't, go to, I don't go to white men to study Canada. Oh, no, 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 mm-mm, right? Second of all, there is an understanding of compassion and love in the way it's in a political way and, a, and an understanding of community that has to be taught to others, but with indigenous peoples, especially indigenous women, Okay. Especially indigenous women. It is, it is something that I don't have to explain. I don't have to explain myself to you. No, no. And you don't have to explain yourself to me. (laughs) Okay. Now, but you know, I'm always open to be, I'm always like, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing here? Because I know that I only have my lens only goes so far, and the overlap is only so wide. So I want to widen the overlap of my understanding, too, because I'm always learning, always. I will never stop.
0: Oh, vice versa. And, you know, um, like I was raised really redneck in the middle of uh, central Alberta and uh, it took a lot of unlearning. And I thought I was, you know, uh, addressed my anti-Blackness because I watched Oprah all the time, religiously. And then yeah. when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, and we have a local um activist here who everybody knows, and she and well, she and Adora Nufar, she has been a local activist that's been here doing all this amazing is mean, and uh is ta- she, Taylor McNally. Taylor and, yeah, McNally, yeah, yes. Yeah. So yes. We, have, we have these really two strong black um activists here. And mm-hmm. uh, you know. It wasn't just them. It was was all the black community across uh, Turtle Island that really, Mm -hmm. you know, was putting out these um, pieces that I was like, you know, I don't think I've addressed my anti-blackness quite a bit. Uh, We had a a friend of ours growing up and, you know, he would say, look at this Uh, during the Olympics, how this white guy who won bronze would be on the front of the sun. And this Mm -hmm. black dude who won a gold was on like page 13, Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Ooh, that's, you know, that doesn't feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. these were things that were, I thought I had addressed and I was watching Mm -hmm. Oprah and she was good. So I was good. And it's like, no, I really think, um, all of us have unlearning to do and i've been oh, really yes. focusing on that internalized racism uh, yeah. not just for me but also the anti-blackness the browns like everyone because yeah. it's there i was raised on arnold schwarzenegger um movies that hated all muslims right um it took me a while to say muslim it took like i was a muslim right like it just mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. it took a long time. So you know, I, I just I think it's important we acknowledge we can always learn from each other. And my my daughter just said that uh, they want to use they and them. So there's another one I'm trying to unlearn because it's one thing to do it with someone new. It's another to do it with your daughter. And they're okay with uh, femme terms like daughter. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, Trying to go to they, them has been a bit of a, I'm catching myself a lot.
1: (laughs) I still do. I still, um, a friend of mine went to they, them and I'm, I'm still, but it's funny. She said to me, or see, I know, I hear you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) sorry. You know who you are. They I'm like, see, I'm going to screw this up. And they were like, it's okay, Erica. Like, like it's an adjustment. You know, I say, you know, so I just made a boo-boo and I corrected myself and that's okay. Let's talk about the election.
0: Let's do that. Oh, my goodness. We were talking offline. I'm like, we got to hit record. Holy. Because like we just we have to, Um, you know, let's start by addressing Why it is everyone out East thinks every native is against all oil and gas. Let's start there.
1: Yes. I love this. Let's go in hot because I've noticed this. Yeah. I've noticed this because I grew up in Edmonton. Okay. And I know, like, I know when I'm out in Ontario, I'm like, this is not universal people. This is not a universal view. It's the same. I know from blackness that we have all sorts of black people. We have conservative black people, respectability black people politics black people. We have all we have, you know, the activist black people. It it's a range. Yep. So I want to, I want to hear mm-hmm. about this. This is a nuance that I think that it's not even that nuanced, to be honest. It's not nuanced. No. Let me t- let me let me be let me just say it is it is not a nuanced concept to think that. Other indigenous people might want a pipeline, and the pipeline politics plays deep and wide in BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's bad. So, so let's let's unpack it. So let's unpack. Yeah. So folks who don't know, all Indians are uh, called an Indian under the Indian Act. If you are not an Indian, I highly recommend you do not use that terminology unless saying the Indian Act. Um, You know, tell us about Native. Sure. (laughs) So, you know, well. I name native Calgarian native uh, because I've had lots of non-indigenous people who are proud to be born in Calgary say, well, I'm a native Calgarian. And I always go, what nation are you from? And then they go, no, I mean, I was born here. And I go, yeah, I know what you meant. But when you say the term native, that means people who are originally from here. So maybe you could call yourself a Calgarian. You were born here that you could say that, but you're still a settler. Right. Um, But for indigenous, a lot of us just call each other native. So I don't care if you're Inuit or Métis, I'll call you native. And that's just kind of our slang that we use for each other. But
1: so I'm getting that this is like the N word for black people It is in the sense that some black people I will use, you know, the N word with the A because I know they can handle it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this doesn't work with all black people. And I know which black people to do it and which black people not to do it because respectability. Right. And it's same with
0: a lot of us as indigenous, right? Like they worked really hard on their PhD. You are not calling them native or. um, Exactly. Which is, which
1: is, which is another class breakdown. Right. And so my, but outside of us. Eight, nobody can say that word. Nobody could say that word. So this is what I'm getting from the word native.
0: Yep. And and I like to really utilize that term because I am native. Right. So I, I'm, it's like a taking it back because I when people say they're a native Calgarian or native Torontonian, whatever they call themselves, I'm like, What band are you from? Just to kind of emphasize the point, like you are not recognizing settler dynamics here. Colonialism, like treaty partnership, nothing, right? So uh, that's why I use that term. Indigenous is that umbrella term for First Nation, Métis, and Inuit. So like that's a really great term for um, non-Indigenous to use is Indigenous, right? Unless they've said I'm Dene, then don't call me Indigenous. So just call me Dene because I'm Dene. And, um, you know, so and I, I tell people like this, it's like if you're from I don't know if you're from Ontario and you say I'm from Ontario and everybody calls you a Canadian and you're like, you're I'm OK with being called a Canadian, but, you know, I'm from Ontario. So why wouldn't you break that demographic down a bit? Right. So just to kind of hope to help some settlers that may not get it. I don't know how demeaning it could be. So <laughs> and and Dene no. means people. Right. So when people say Dene people, it's like you're it's like you're saying people, people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Don't say Dene people. Just say Dene. Okay? And this is this the these are the this is the nation from that originally settled in Cal, in Cal around Calgary area. Uh, black this
0: is blackfoot territory and i know this is like, blackfoot territory this is yes. blackfoot territory during treaty yep. seven and the sig- like the signing of treaty seven that by then there was some displacement by then mm. so that's why you have the stony and that's why you have the sutina the sutina say that they've always been here too but there's been a lot of um movement within the blackfoot territory and the blackfoot territory went all the way up to edmonton right like it was that huge whole,
1: yeah so like it's i remember that from school by the way i do remember that that the blackfoot territory was huge it was basically half of alberta
0: uh it, and a little bit north and, into of Ed, Saskatchewan and, and way and down Saskatchewan, into the states yep. yeah
1: yep. so like all of right. the
0: reserves have really brought us down into these tiny little areas and then in the states the blackfoot reservation or blackfeet sorry reservation is like a small little piece compared to what their territory actually is. And that's why when people say like, Oh, are we on native I- land? I'm like, I don't know. Are you in Canada? You're on native land. If are you in the States, you're in, are,
1: you know, <laughs> are you on turtle Island? Yeah. Actually to be honest, like if you want to, if you want to be correct, like native land could be from like Alaska all the way down to the edge of Chile. Right. Yep. Because um, further South, my people, the Amerindians, um traveled down through Central America, settled around Guyana and um and Brazil, yeah, and all over because we we share that with Brazil, like the Amerindians sort of genealogy with Brazil. and so. Um, it's really interesting to see, I I'm very interested in the movement of people and I'm very interested in what makes people displaced, what makes people move, what makes people, you know, that kind of thing and what the effects are. It's a very, it's very important. I want
0: to make it really clear that as Indigenous people to this area, like, we really welcome newcomers with the assumption you're going to respect the place and share, which obviously Canada and those who identify as Canadians have not done. So, you know, that's the treaty breakdown right there. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. and uh, my de- my people, the Dene, like we're all the way from the tip all the way down into the tip of uh, South America. And, and we do. Oh, migrate, right. So like I'm okay. from way up north there's the denny here there's the denny in mm-hmm. navajo country and there's denny all the way down through the americas right so those wow. are yeah like my people are are everywhere literally so there's just pockets of us yeah yeah yeah
1: So within that context, so let's talk about this election, not in a settler context as much as possible. Okay. Sure. Cause that's what I'm really interested in too, because I want to, I want, I know we're, I know we're going to make some mistakes and I know it's not going to be perfect, but let's just try this exercise anyway. And, or, or we could just identify when we have to go into that. Okay. Sure. So this is going to be fun. So back to the Indian
0: act, we're all Indians right. under the Indian act. We're actually wards of the state of the state of Canada.
1: Okay, you're no matter what you are wards of the state. No matter what, so there's a great book for which is complete control, complete of control. the state yep. over every aspect of your life. Life. I just want to underline that, yep. especially for people who love to talk about freedom, right?
0: Like okay. they've never fought for my rights so I know they're full of crap. Um <laughs> by the way you
1: can <laughs> swear on this. I use the you nice word. You can swear on that and bitchy. You can listen. <laughs> there's no need for 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 um respectability, you know, respectability <laughs> politics exactly. We're not doing that here. Okay.
0: Yeah, so kind of like that big picture here where people think we have control over our lands and we do not. Mm-hmm. So, there is an organization called Indian Oil and Gas, and they were mm-hmm. the ones through the federal government i mean Preston Preston Manning was the CEO for a long time. Just to give you an mm-hmm. idea, right? like how it was controlled by white people as well. um Today, there's an actual indigenous woman who's like a part of that, but you know like it the, I think people don't understand that we'd have no rights. We have no rights to development and business. So for folks who don't understand any of this, start with 21 things you don't know about the Indian Act. It's a simple read, easy read, you can leave it in your washroom and it'll be done it like that. Um, but really, the Indian Act controls our life. And as a result, Like when it comes to oil and gas development, like we are under, like, and I've said that at the beginning of my podcast, we're at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder because of imposed poverty, because of the Indian Act. That is why we are in the situation Mm -hmm. we're in. So when somebody, some oil and gas company comes along and says, hey, you want to do a little bit of revenue sharing and a couple of jobs? We're like, yes, sign me up. So we sign up. And we get a little bit of money and we get maybe a a new rec center or something. So, yeah, you see people who are indigenous out in Alberta that are like pro oil and gas because the government sure isn't helping us and saving us. So if we partner with uh, with an energy company, maybe then we can get, I don't know, clean drinking water. So yeah. um this province is actually one that had a lot more of the clean drinking water than any of the other provinces because of development because we were given that little carrot at the end of the stick right so say that again <laughs> right so and and for folks who don't know my background was literally drafting wells and pipelines until I went and had my baby and then when I experienced systemic racism in the hospital that was when I was like, "We really need to unpack this," because I was definitely that Indian that was a, a proud apple, red on the outside and white on the inside. And today, walking down that red road, trying to unlearn, unlearn oh, all of that. Right? I was a neoliberal. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that—that's me, right? Like, we that's what I do.
1: We yeah, yeah. evolved. Okay. So, By the way, I have a little. Weird, Go ahead, go Mm -hmm. ahead. I have a little, uh, yes, yes, that's why. Okay, so anybody who knows me knows that I am from Alberta, right? And sometimes I'm like, I'm so glad, like, thank you. Because I feel like um, there's a culture here, there's a cultural difference here that is just, wild
0: yes yes and and, and i'm going to tell you guys it's wild so for folks who don't know i grew up in domestic violence i grew up with a boilermaker father union so i know um you know in in central alberta where all of my friends were divorced you know the product of beatings (laughs) you know because and it wasn't considered bad at that time it was you you needed to learn a lesson Anyway, yeah, yeah. regardless, and, and alcohol, like there's functioning alcoholics who can yeah. like, you know, still work a 40 hour work, work week, so yeah. they're okay. And yeah. so addiction is a real issue in Alberta. And only now that I'm older, and I'm packing a lot of it, my like, mm, we really had a problem. then. And, and really, and we've lost friends, like I, I have a, um, my, my husband's two best friends, one died drunk, jumping into a raging river. And the other one is wow. in, in jail, right? And this was all substance-related issues. So, right, you know, and and that's that's where we're at. Where where it was like, well, my my husband didn't go down that road, and he ended up working. And even though you know he very well could have done that even through work, um, you know, he's he's not. Uh, he's not in sobriety he doesn't have an addiction but he has a podcast where he focuses on helping people with their sobriety so that's the Mm -hmm. other one he produces and these are issues that really matter to us because Mm we're surrounded by like I have an uncle who's in uh, AA and proudly has been in there for decades and I'm proud of him and so many of my friends and family and then I'm sure you follow I care a lot about the drug poisoning issue here happening in Alberta and uh, I, I get Narcan and That's its own journey. But that bigger picture is that, like, we have to stop with this addiction issue that we have here. But I mean, honestly, we could all say we're addicted to oil and gas, too. And we don't have a sales tax in Alberta because oil revenue has always stopped us from being able to do that. But you know what? There were major changes at the UN when it came to um, fossil fuel extraction policies, global policies, trade agreements. And I ran in the last election hoping that Albertans were ready for positive change, were ready for like, okay, this is here. Um, One of my favorite Albertans is Dr. Uh, Kevin Taff. He was a former liberal leader. And he wrote an excellent book about uh, basically the global policies that we're changing that we're gonna leave Alberta behind. Because we don't have a sales tax, like we literally could collapse (laughs) right away. And we are. So we need to focus on some some serious changes. And nobody in Alberta who's like, you know, sniffing cocaine, drinking beer, riding around in their big Dodge truck is gonna be like, yeah, let's totally transition. No. Now I'm loving the voice. Okay. <laughs> so so anyway, we do have lots of folks like and just to give folks especially east, an understanding. Um the Metis here actually have the only province has their own jurisdictions like we have Métis settlements uh, north of of uh, Edmonton that is not uh, any other place so we have um these Métis <gasps> settlements minute, that are currently under fire by the way and um and lots of reserves that are up in those areas where they want to do the oil extraction and they want to make pipelines and such so like they've they benefit financially from that and that's why mm-hmm. a lot of them are for it. Under the Indian Act, chief and council have to do what the gu- Canadian government says. It's like um, a lot of people think they're like a mayor and councillors, but they're not. They have mm-hmm. a very small job and window under the Indian Act of what they are allowed to do. Now, our hereditary chiefs, they're not under the jurisdiction of the Indian Act. but the Canadi- Because they're
1: not part of the reserve system. No they are. Right? They they are. That well okay. in the sense that we're all forced to be, right? Yeah, no, sorry. Um I meant the uh, political reserves. So in other words, yes, tell us the difference. Let me let me just be quiet and let you talk.
0: Okay. Sure. So like we talked about the huge area of what Blackfoot territory is, but what it has become under these stupid little reserves thanks to the Canadian government's imposed Indian Act. But honestly, the hereditary chiefs actually do have jurisdiction far all the way up to Edmonton. I'm sure that would piss off all of the uh, Cree um, north of the Red Deer River. But that is the truth is that the Cree and the Blackfoot used to have their own international treaties with each other and they would Mm -hmm. work it out at Wetaskiwin every year and that's the hills where the peace uh, piece was made. That's what Wetaskiwin. In
1: Wetaskiwin?
0: In Wetaskiwin. <laughs> where cars cost wow. less. <laughs> <laughs> yes!
1: Okay. So for okay. folks Yo. at least,
0: that's a jingle that every Elberton knows. a jingle. Knows. Yes. yes! Yes! Okay. Every Elbert- Cars cost less in Wetaskiwin.
1: All the time. <laughs> All the time.
0: <laughs> and it would go,
1: Cars cost wow. less in Wetaskiwin. <laughs> You're bringing back memories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. I know, right? So,
0: so this is the story of Alberta with, with Indigenous peoples and their relationship with oil and gas. Now, I would argue we still got raped, like, wholeheartedly when it came to um, revenue sharing, job creation and jurisdiction and governance, like, 100%. But here's the other thing. It wasn't until I had my baby that I really like I grew up in domestic violence and just knew "Ah, men hate women here. That's great. But that was just how I believed life was, because it's so sexist and misogynistic here, folks. Like you can't I can't even possibly describe how ugly it is. So I was just like, "Ah, this is Alberta where nobody respects women and women get raped and murdered all the time because it wasn't even just indigenous. It was non-indigenous as well. So. I started to really unpack that once I had my child and I experienced systemic racism in the hospital and then uh, dealing with systemic misogyny. Like, you know, there are other places in the world where it's not acceptable to go, to do this to people. And the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls and two-spirit is really a strong issue here in Alberta because there is no respect towards um, non-white people. <laughs> and there's no respect to like their gendered violence is rampant. So I I seen only after I experienced systemic racism in the hospital, how I was still contributing to this issue of missing and murdered indigenous women, because um, I was a part of the oil and gas system, and because you know it, here's the here's the thing that i really want folks to understand calgary is so powerful there are so many international mining companies that are headquartered here in uh calgary and they actually are murdering indigenous people not just locally not just provincially not just nationally but globally and they can get away with it because we have um such uh easy laws That in other jurisdictions, like you you can't prosecute us the way we should be prosecuted, frankly. So if these oil executives, and I mean, and and actually they do understand this issue, but here's the thing. They are so racist. They are so racist against Indigenous people that they they are okay with us dying in order for them to make money and live a comfy lifestyle and fly to Mexico twice a year, all those things. So I I think that Canadians really need to understand, like, this is a sickness here that really needs to be addressed. And and ironically, it will be because globally, these policies are changing. And when when it hits Alberta, and it did already, and people blame Notley and they blame Trudeau. But the truth is, these are global policies that are affecting Alberta. And Albertans are not uh, willing to learn about why it is affecting us the way it is. So this particular election, back to that, is based on this idea that, well, we can't trust Notley because I need my oil and gas jobs, but ironically, for people who would read, and people, people who vote <laughs> conservatives don't, actually, they, they will not look into their, their past and their policies Conservatives are fiscally the most irresponsible. And the last UCP government under Jason Kenney and now Daniel Smith actually lost us the most jobs as well. So ironically, the very voters for conservatives think they are the best fiscal uh, party for them when ironically they are not. And that's why as a liberal, it's just like it's watching a train wreck happen. Because he, I don't want it to happen. I don't want people to lose their livelihood and their jobs. I want to see a nice, just, green transition. But Albertans are stubborn and addicted and don't want to change. So they're going to get lost here. Uh, so that's why this election is kind of important. But if you also notice, Rachel Notley, she's not talking about that green energy. She's not talking about just transitions. She's just like, hey, you can't trust she's, this lady. Maybe you should she's not talking.
1: She's not talking about the environment.
0: Nope.
1: At None all. of the parties
0: are, other than the green party. I, I don't want to throw the green party under the bus, but.
1: I mean, I just like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, Rachel Notley coming out looking like a PC disturbed me. Yeah. Yeah. But i was like, I know, I know, but she didn't have to wear blue. That was my point. Like that was a bridge too far for me. Okay. And I'm like, but, but you're asking people to trust you, but you're not even like, you're not engaging in your own values. Yeah. So why should anybody trust you? Like, I, I just like, nobody's trustworthy in this. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that was my whole point. But, but, but Danielle, Danielle Smith is a nut. Um, She's a nut. She's not case. Um, I'm blocked by Danielle Smith. <laughs> no, let me tell you why I'm blocked by Danielle Smith. It's because she put out, um, a tweet that had a picture of Jagmeet Singh. Uh, and do you remember that tweet? It was Jagmeet Singh. Uh, and he was saying, she was saying something about, can you trust this man to like run your country or whatever? And I, I think it was pictured next to something very like racist, like the imagery itself was very racist. So I told her, I said, this is a racist tweet. Yeah. I didn't call her a racist, although I know she's a racist, um, I just said this is a racist tweet and she blocked me. And I was like, well, well done, Erica. You are blocked by the most hideous people on the internet. It's true.
0: Yeah. No, I, and you know, and it, it's important that that gets said. So basically, for folks who don't know, conservatives out here block anyone who doesn't agree with them. <clears throat> That's like Michelle Rempel, um, municipally, my own uh, counselor has me blocked. Um, this is what they do, because they just they can't handle criticism and they don't want to see ugly comments in their feeds. So they just block anybody who they can't have constructive dialogue with anybody. Um, they just have their own talking points and that's what they focus on. And if you're not a part of their talking points, you get blocked.
1: What's wrong with the media over there over here? Oh, they never hold anybody they to stop- account they don't like that softballing that i saw i was just like yeah where where, what happened (laughs)
0: where you know and i would even argue that happened out east with harper when he like shut down the uh, parliamentary bureau where Mm -hmm. um there was a real like silence from a lot of the media now most of the media here is actually owned by conservatives so
1: um Mm. that's
0: part of the reason why they never get hard-hitting questions and that's why like independent media matters so much right so that's why you'll Mm -hmm. see the conservatives go after any kind of like the cbc like here's the ironic part, is that Harper installed the last appointed board members. So when I listen to the CBC, I think it's ridiculously conservative out here. But ironically, um, they, they say it's, oh, liberal media, and it's not liberal media. It's actually run by conservative appointed board members. So I even, like, I want to throw my radio out the window lots of times listening to the CBC because they're so conservative and they never hold any of these conservatives to account. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's so frustrating because there's so few places that you can go for real independent media here. And that that is the impetus as to why I started Date of Calgary because there's no Indigenous voices. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a really great group out here called Windspeaker. They have a radio Mm -hmm. station and they do like journalism. So them and APTN, they have journalists out here. So those Mm. are the only people that I see really holding to account um, the politicians here. But because they're Indigenous, all the non-Natives are like, oh, I'm not going to read that because they have power and privilege not to. Right. So that's, I would say, where the best part of it is. And even they will do not respectability articles, but try to showcase like we have a ucp indigenous man running so one he's a man and two he's non-status and what that means is is that he hasn't had the same level of oppression that those of us who are status have and because he's a man he gets away with that misogyny that a lot of women would like we just are oppressed under so um you know i I can see why he ran ucp (laughs) you know that that's his deal that's his jam man
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think that that's really interesting in terms of um you know the dynamics of what what those dynamics look like out here because i personally am more and more disappointed with canadian news media every day and now i you know i don't Get my news from CBC or Global or CTV. I don't. I subscribe to Apple News. I have like a thousand newsletter friggin' emails, okay, that are unread. Yeah, and and I listen to podcasts, and I don't listen to CBC podcasts or Global podcasts or any. Po- First of all, those are radio shows masquerading as podcasts, so that's number one. Um, but also I don't I don't see they're going to give me a headline and they're going to give me some sort of summary. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want, I want something with depth. I want something that will help me to understand the context of the issue, the history of the issue and all of that. I want more. And so what I want is just to give people more, but there really, I think, needs to be like a conversation on progressive media, progressive politics, and where the fuck, and it's dying. And the problem with the NDP moving right is that there's no left, and that is the problem. So there's nobody politically to support us and what we're doing, and that is the problem. 100% 100% yeah.
0: yeah I know yeah. I I'm really disappointed that I can't run this time but I can't run for a multitude of reasons but the biggest one is the party that I really felt strongly about has really mm-hmm. changed direction under the leadership or the loss I guess of, of David Kahn and because mm-hmm. he was a queer BIPOC um you know he I
1: follow him
0: He's great, he's just so great He's, uh, since he's left So he left uh, to go to Vancouver And um, yeah, so he's Obviously, he's changing careers So he's a lot more quiet, Mm -hmm. but honestly He was one of the best voices we had In Alberta for a long time And it's a Mm -hmm. real shame that um, Folks chose not to Elect him, because I think he would Have been the one giving some sort of accountability To this province Mm -hmm. Yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Anyway so let's talk about the wildfires actually how's that how is that playing out in indigenous communities across Alberta you know a lot
0: of indigenous people are just being displaced so like um, so I'm Satu Denny I'm further north than Yellowknife but a lot of my cousins now are further south. So, like, I, I have a cousin in Hay River that was displaced, and he went mm. up to see my auntie in Yellowknife while the week of them trying to get it under control. And just recently went back, but they're on a like a quick evasion or evacuation order just in case. Mm. So mm. Uh, he he went back, but for a lot of the folks up north, like they're just displaced. And um, yeah, so this election, like I, I, my husband voted yesterday and there was at least two people from displaced areas up north that came down. But, I, you know, she didn't tell me if they were white or not. Um, Mm. Yeah, because a lot of Indigenous don't vote. We actually have the power to absolutely change this country with a vote. But actually, a lot of us don't vote. And um, if the people up north all chose to, like, we could have Green Party, we could have NDP, whatever it is they want, but uh, they chose not to cancel the election. And because the kids are out on Reading Wink at the university, that is a high demographic that would be against the conservatives, and they are not. You know, they're they're busy. So, yeah. So a lot yeah. of folks that would be uh, against the Conservatives are displaced. Well, that's not true. A lot mm. of people up north love the Conservatives and they win all the time there for that reason. So, But a lot mm. of Indigenous won't vote anyway mm. because they just they see it as another nation. They see Canada as another nation as, and as an occupier. But um, I see it as, you know, you have an opportunity to give a, a protest vote. Yeah, right. Like you go vote and you're protesting in the most nonviolent way possible. And the most, like as you said, it's respectable politics, right?
1: Respectability. <laughs> yeah, I um I believe uh I could I I used to be like, I don't get way people do vote and da, da, da. See no neoliberal. Anyway, um you're <laughs> all there. But I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Now I get it, and in more in the sense that. I just get it more. And I feel like, um, I understand, first of all, people do not for, do not call indigenous people, indigenous Canadians. Okay. Please. No, 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 no. Canada should come into your vocabulary when describing indigenous people at all. Because they are a se- they are separate nations. You are separate nations, right? Over and basically, months. basically, that's what reconciliation should mean, right? Is this this pathway between these nations or, or amongst these nations? These these like I I once I started to understand that I was like oh oh all of a sudden Canada itself started looking differently to me. Listen, there is there is one of the most educational pieces ever written is the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Final Report. Yeah. You want to know anything about the Indian Act and the effects of the Indian Act, especially the gendered effects of the Indian Act? It's excellent. Now, it's a long read, but worth it. Um, I, I learned so much from that document. It's free. Google it, download it, read it. It's summer. You all have book clubs or something like do that. A (laughs) hundred percent. A hundred percent.
0: Like I, I can't stress enough that it really it is the responsibility of all Canadians to read that report along with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report. Absolutely. Those two things have to be mandatory reading by all Canadians, no matter how young or old you are. And I think until people do that, they will never understand. And that's why um, I won't even engage with people who haven't read them because it's, it's not a, a, you know, a conversation that's genuine. It's mm-hmm. disingenuous, uh, you know, for me to be asked to educate somebody when they have done zero work on learning about us, right? So
1: Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. That document though, oh, opened my mind. Okay. Yeah. And it made me understand what this country's like I look at this country differently Mm. ever since then. Yeah. And um that's where I sort of started learning about doctrine of discovery too. Yeah. And um so then I was like, oh, Canada's not even a, a real country. OK, like, no, <laughs> honestly, it's true. It's, it's true. true. It's true. I know. Listen, Ottawa's squatting. Parliament is squatting. Let's right? put it that way.
0: The original squatters are Canadians. Yeah, 100%.
1: exactly. Exactly. And, and that's how mm-hmm. we would be willing to share if
0: there was equity. But there isn't. It's an it's there's never equity. There's never equity. So, of course, we're not there. And, and Canadians, they won't even read these two reports. So, if they mm. won't even read them when they're free, come on. Come on. Don't, don't pretend you give a shit about solving these issues if you're not willing to read these reports.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: But
1: and the recommendations,
0: a, yeah. And By the way, recommend, I do recommend that if you actually have read them start joining recon- like the reconciliation committees. So here in Calgary, we have a reconciliation action group. So you'll sh- you'll see me share a lot of that information because like these are settlers that are like, oh my God, before I just thought you guys were dumb. Now we know that there was policies behind it. And so, right, right. So now they're willing to do some work. Like we have a, a major high school here, uh, Baker High School. And while that yeah. name is problematic in itself, their mascot are the chiefs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Face, 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 no. No. Fuck yeah.
1: Fuck yeah. That's. Yep. Yep. Yes. yes. Even the Washington team had to get rid of that name. Okay. You know, even you
0: think Maybe they'd get it.
1: Yeah. Because I remember when the owner was, was feeling himself. Okay. And he's like, we will never change the name. Oh, really? All right. You know, what's sick is that corporations have to get involved for them to do the right thing? That is gross. That's a problem. And yet,
0: in in Canada, everybody's like, "I'm a native Calgarian and I like my beer and I'm gonna be for the Baker Chiefs." Like, and that's Yikes. they think that's okay. While well they go hit their women and go snort some cocaine and drive around in their Dodge
1: truck, they do love their cocaine and meth. I gotta say
0: how like this is Alberta this is this is the thinking here so like we have a lot of cultural unpacking here to do Mm. in order to really be honest about this conversation of what reconciliation needs to be but frankly Mm. we're not there the premier and uh, possible winner of tomorrow's election she's an Indian residential school denier so yes where I'm at Yeah. And I think it's really sad Mm. that Canadians, like just as the Nazis had to create all of these laws in Germany to be like, okay, we can't, you know, be proud of Hitler. We can't be proud of Nazis. We can't be uh, showing Nazi symbols. We can't like, we need strict hate laws here in Calgary in, in Canada, frankly, so that this Diefenbaker chief stuff like is gone so that all of this logo stuff and mascots is gone, but also so is that understanding? Like no one in Germany is proud of World War II. We need every Canadian not proud of the policies they've imposed on Indigenous people and working 24-7 to undo them.
1: Well, I will just say we are three years after the murder of George Floyd. We are two years after um the discovery. Of the remains of the children from um in BC, from the residential school in BC. The name slips me right now. I apologize. Can loops. Is it can loops? Canloops, yeah. Okay, why why did I think it was okay? Sorry. Obviously, I can remember loops Okay. So um, you know, like from Camloops, two years and everybody fucking forgot and the thing is the thing is you know what i saw like andrew coyne who is one of the most prominent um columnists in this country retweeted a residential school denier terry glavin yeah yeah and it was and it you know that didn't go past me okay <laughs> Because, you know, I responded and be like, maybe you want to skip the residential school deniers to make your point. Yeah. And I said, you know, that's a choice. You made an active choice.
0: Yeah.
1: Tweeting residential school deniers on China. Yeah. Because you should trust people who have who have harassed Jugmeet Singh. This man has harassed Jugmeet Singh. I'm talking about Terry Glavin. Yeah. Uh races in, in a racist way. Yeah. He's a residential school denier. Yeah. And now now every every Chinese Canadian is a spy. Yeah, I know white
0: supremacy. This is, is where a we're sickness. at people. Yeah. It's a sickness. Um the TRC, when it came out in 2015, called to action Uh, 57 is anti-racism training and indigenous education. Well, it is 2023, eight years Mm -hmm. later, and there's no major infrastructure put together on training people about their racism. And, and columnists like this are getting away with, you know, what what upsets me the most is that an Andrew Coyne will legitimize somebody like Terry by that retweet. And Mm -hmm. it just moves the pendulum that much more to the right that Absolutely. much more to the right. So I hope I hope Canadians can see how it is Hitler got to the point they did, but also how genocide continues in Canada because we know these policies are killing, whether it's like the drug poisoning issue, you know, not yeah. putting infrastructure in for housing that was cut back in Paul Martin's time. You know, yeah. uh, there's a reason why- A lot of, a lot of
1: to- public services were cut yeah. in Paul Martin's time and he was praised for it. Right. And and now we're living with the ramifications
0: of a Absolutely. incredible issue of not having enough houses and we're bringing in refugees left, right and center and we don't give them the infrastructure to be successful. So, right. like, we know that a lot of people will just end up being the janitors, etc. cetera. That's why you never look down on a janitor ever, Mm-mm. because Mm-mm. that person is likely a doctor wherever they're from. But in Canada have hit so many systematic pieces To be unable to do what they're probably
1: best to do for, so my housekeeper was a corporate lawyer. See, in her hundred, in her country, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. We we should
0: have better ways and mechanisms of bringing people in. And here, like, and just for folks out east who are probably listening for the first time, um, I'm going to tell you a sad fact of Canada's refugee system that we see here, right where I live. We brought in tons of um, lost boys from the South Sudan And we have a huge South Sudanese community as a result. But some of them have mental health issues. And because we don't have culturally appropriate support systems for them, they just openly murdered one of them right on our main drag in front of so many people. And their family, the the mother had to come all the way up. And I think she, she relocated to Nigeria. So she moved to Canada just so that she could try to get justice for her son. And, and this oh, is geez. the type of thing that happens here because these black every, you know, Erica, I know our listeners who were like, yeah, it's pretty fucking racist there. They all know there will never be justice for this family. And it's disgusting, never, never. you know, and, and that's the problem that we, we bring in refugees. And if they're not white, like we have a great system for those Ukrainians. This is the third wave of Ukrainians out West, the third wave. And we have great infrastructure for them, but we sure didn't for the Syrians and we sure aren't for the South Sudanese and even the Vietnamese that came here. Like, you know, I, I would argue that every barrier you can possibly
1: face happens if you're not white. Mm, I agree. And on that note. Yep. We're going to put a pin in this because you and I are going to talk again. Yeah. Because I want to hear you talk more about addiction yeah. About addiction policies. Yes. Um, I think you have a very compassionate approach to it and that's what I, I want to sort of, that's the approach I want to have. It sounds so, great. I mean, this cross, like, let's do this. I love this. Okay. It is 717. I'm missing a succession. And I'm like, because I'm like, screw it. Let's just keep talking.
0: Yes. Let's just do it.
1: I know. So, you no, know, you and I are going to do this again. Yep. And, um, and, you know, I hope tomorrow's result is, uh, but it, uh, uh, okay. The last uh. polls
0: put the UCP in the lead, man. We're, we're in big. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to bet? Okay. Do you want to put this out there? Um, if Rachel loses tomorrow, do you want to bet mm-hmm. that she'll step down? She should. Yeah. But I don't think she will. Oh, for folks who uh, east who don't know, her dad was Grant Notley, who died. He was like the founder of the NDP here in Alberta,
1: and he died in a plane crash. Oh no, that she ain't gonna. Nope, nope, nope. That's her birthright. Remember, she thinks it's her birthright. Well, yeah. you know, isn't it ironic
0: that the conservatives won't attack her on nepotism because it's like mm.
1: so obvious. <laughs> Well,
0: that explains a lot. Yeah. So, so what do you think? She'll step
1: down tomorrow or no? No, she won't. No. Yeah.
0: She should, but she won't. Well, I think they should at least call a leadership race at the very minimum and see if she got reelected. Let's
1: have a leadership race. Yeah. Let's, let's have a leadership race so that all the ideas and the frustrations can come out on the floor. Like they need, that's what they need. (laughs) And one other thing so
0: mm. uh, out here the conservatives they eat each other like dogs so on door knockings right now all the conservatives all the conservatives,
1: all they, the conservatives
0: they are they saying they we're gonna get rid of daniel smith don't vote uh you know vote for me don't vote for daniel smith vote for me so i guarantee tomorrow after the election there will be a leadership race in the ucp as well i guarantee that is coming up because they will eat her. They are eating her right now. So they're going to get rid of her as soon as freaking possible.
1: Heard it here first, kids. <laughs> oh, I love these predictions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully they don't replace her with someone worse. Oh, they will. They'll find some other Yahoo that have said yeah. something. Trans- and it'll be a bad.
0: racist. Oh, It'll be it'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be awful. Don't worry. And, yeah. and then yeah. I'll bet you even before the next election, they'll not have gotten rid of not just her, but that whoever that person is and have somebody new for the election. So like that's yeah. how bad the conservatives are out here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They do eat their young. It's true. They do. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to we're going to talk again. And um, you, you got to let me at least watch the last hour. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Okay, let me find out who ends up on top or if they all fall apart. (laughs) All right, I'll see you soon. I just miss you, Erica. I miss you too, love. Bye. Bye. Bye.